Hey there, welcome to the Speakeasy Library. How you making, good? I'm Dan, and this is my podcast. My weekly excuse to have a drink, or five, and shoot the breeze with a guest. I'll talk to them mostly about their past and current projects, future plans, and the ideas that inform their personal philosophy and worldview. I know I'll fall short of covering these topics in sufficient depth, as anyone who knows me could tell you, digressions are coming, digressions are coming, but I'll try to get a little better each time, and you can help me with this by sending your feedback to speakeasylibrary at gmail.com. Now to this week's episode. This week's guest is my girlfriend, Melissa Ruiz, graphic designer and fine artist. In our conversation, we talk about why she went to art school, the definition of fine art, whether artists are born or made, and more. At various points of the conversation, I try to open it up by talking about things such as the importance of process and the possible meditative quality of such processes, but I'm rather clumsy about how I go about it and flail around quite a bit. I decided to keep those bits as is, as opposed to chopping them up or cutting them out altogether. I guess it's just something I'll have to work on. Stay tuned to track my progress on this, and if it flags or stagnates, please heckle me on Twitter at Dan underscore S-E-L pod, and on Instagram at Speakeasy Library. Follow Melissa on Instagram at mruizdesign, Ruiz spelled R-U-I-Z. Please subscribe to the podcast and rate and review it on whatever app you use to listen. Now, to my conversation with Melissa. You went to art school for college. When did you decide that that's what you want to do? Um, yeah, it was actually kind of weird because um, I didn't really know that that's where I was headed until like senior year. Um, I, I had at first I had only applied to like one school, and I had in my mind that I wanted to go for art history and the only reason was so that I could um, do this program that Temple had that was like study in Japan and they had an art history program to do that and I thought that would be so cool Um, but I never like I've wanted to do so many things in my life and um, especially when I was younger, like it would change every year. I feel like, like I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be a film director. Um, I wanted to be, um, a ballet dancer and, but artist was never something that I thought I could do. Like I just never thought, Oh yeah, this is something people do until, um, my, art teacher in high school, Sue Wright, she um, she just asked me one day, what do you want to do every day for the rest of your life? And I was just staring at her like, oh, that's a good question. And I think it's art. And I didn't even answer. She just said, if it's art, then you should apply to art school because you can do this. And I'm just so thankful that she said that. Um, I just remember the moment so clearly in my mind. And uh, I would, a little light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, yeah, like people are artists. This is this is great. I could do that. Um, so I, um, I applied to a few art schools. And the application process is a little different than – other colleges you have to go to a portfolio review and it's so it's so intimidating you um like they'll have them all over the country and they only hold them at certain times for um high school students and pretty much what it is is like representatives from the colleges all come to one location and you tote around your little portfolio in a you know however you presented it and you usually you have like a little you know flat file that you carry around it's like a briefcase but it's large and flat um 
and you tote that around to each booth, like each college that you want to apply to. And uh, sometimes, you know, they'll accept you right on the spot. Um, and then other times they'll say like, okay, I want, I want you to like make a few more pieces that show these kinds of skills and then apply. Um, but yeah, so that's what I did. And I went to one of these things with my friend that also wanted to be an artist. And um, it was just so nerve wracking. I remember each time like <laughs> opening my portfolio for a new stranger um, I just felt like I was, you know, on center stage or something. And I was just, I felt my face was so red and, but yeah, um, so I went to all these different, um, booths and one of them was Maine College of Art and I had never heard of it before. Um, and, uh, yeah, I showed them my portfolio and then, few weeks later I was offered a like you know small scholarship from them and the rest is you know kind of took care of itself so before I like I like to hear more about what you did in in college but before we do that when you were thinking about this you said you were a senior in high school your art you had an art teacher what kind of art were you doing what kind of art was in your portfolio what uh, kind of stuff had you tried and what did you kind of land on what was your favorite yeah, so um, I was really lucky to go to a high school that had a fine arts program. And uh, so I was doing a lot of different things. I was doing um, ceramics, um, drawing, painting with uh, watercolor, um, gouache, acrylics. Um, and then we even did a little bit of printmaking, which is rare in a high school because the equipment you need can be expensive. So, um, but yeah, a lot of drawing, um, a lot of foundation courses for artists are, you know, drawing to get perspective and doing a lot of still lifes. Okay. And so how many years did you, like, when did you first start taking art seriously? Was it just senior year that you started getting into that stuff or? No, I actually, um, so my mom also loves to draw and paint and she um she got her associate's degree like you know when I was younger um like when I was in elementary school I think and uh she was taking like a photography class and a ceramics class and a watercolor class and so she would come home with like you know, these projects or these, like, I remember she had this really nice watercolor set. It was like a professional set. And, um, so she showed me how to paint when I was really young and I've always been making something. Um, I've always been like working on stuff like that on my own. And then, um, but I just found that like, you know, ninth through 12th, I was a lot of what I was doing was like art and music and uh, it wasn't even conscious. It was just like, this is, I gravitated towards those that I really enjoyed them. So mm -hmm. yeah, I was always making like, but never with the idea of that, like, you know, it's going somewhere. I'm doing something with this in the future just because it, it was like a compulsion. Like I, I like to make, I have to make it was natural. Well, that kind of relates to another question I have, which is what your expectations of art school would be, I guess, in two regards. One, what the actual day-to-day -day would be like, you know, what what kind of stuff you'd be doing and the degree to which you'd be focusing on it, like how deep you would really go. And then also what the use of it would be, like if you envisioned yourself past there and like what that would mean, like what it, what it means – in the world to have an art degree and how you would use it. So maybe, so there's kind of two parts, the, the kind of the practical um, use and uh, of the degree post college, which you just kind of said, you didn't really think too much about that sort of stuff, but uh, maybe talk about what you expected art school to be like. I don't know if I had any, 
expectations really um i think i was kind of naive and like just choosing things because i was super excited about them but not really thinking about like a future goal um and i knew i really wanted to do well like i think that was always in my mind like i need to do well i need to put everything into this and um I was just really focused on that, so didn't really have any expectations going into it. Um, Maybe did you just think it would be an extension of all, a lot of the stuff you'd already done in high school? Or may, like you said, if you didn't have any expectations, you didn't have any expectations. But maybe it's fair to say that what that really means is you just thought it would kind of be maybe the same, maybe a little bit more intense, but <clears throat> a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, I didn't really think it would be the same. I actually thought... If anything, um, I might be behind or I might not have enough skills compared to the other people. I didn't know what their skill level would be. And I just, you know, anticipated that I'd probably be the worst one or something like that. Um, but I took it really seriously. I remember reading all like the course booklet that they send you in the mail. I remember reading that through, you know, dozens of times <laughs> and I still have it somewhere. Um, and it was like this big tome and it was like very important to me and all of the classes seemed like really just like wow this is incredible and so packed full of stuff I wanted to know and learn and get my hands into and yeah I think I I just took it to be like oh it's gonna be a really serious study and um you know I hope I do well okay all right so you said um You'd read a lot. You read the course booklet pretty closely. So it sounds like maybe from that you got a decent idea of what you were in for. Once you got there, um, so you ended up majoring in printmaking, right? So more specifically, what is that and why did you choose that? So printmaking is um, it's a medium where you can do many different things, but Essentially, you're making something in the multiple. <clears throat> so um, it could be etching, silkscreen, lithography, um, woodcuts, engravings. These are all different types of printmaking. And, um, you know, the, the most primitive forms are like coliforms where you can make, um, say you have a piece of, like paper, styrofoam, or it could be anything, and you you build on top of it these layers, and uh, you put you make something so that you can put something in the relief, or you know it's going to have different shapes. It actually has depth to it. it it's not just two D anymore, and um, so if you were to ink it and then press it onto paper, it's going to leave either the negative or the positive of where you um, inked. And so people started making these because they wanted to, like, distribute, um, you know, pamphlets or they wanted to distribute prayer cards or, um, you know, things from the Bible. And um, they wanted to, you know, make a copy of their drawing or their whatever it was in the multiple. So they would like, you know, carve into wood or um, similar things like that and ink it and then print it on paper. And, you know, a similar thing is like the, the printing press. So, you know, books came after um, with movable type and things like that. Like that's all printmaking. So um, I think, yeah, so I took some printmaking classes right away. My freshman year, I took etching, and we were etching um, into copper, and it's really cool. It's like the whole process is um, very long, and you there's so many different ways to do it, but you can use acid baths, and you have to wear gloves and goggles and all this stuff, and you put the copper into these acid baths and it 
the acid etches away into the metal you're drawing that you made. And it's just, the whole process is just so neat. But um, what I really loved about it immediately was just like, there's so many steps. It's almost like cooking or baking. It's like you have to do, you know, 12 steps just to make your plate or like your your block and um, before you even start printing. And I just really thought like that made sense to me for some reason. It was a way to like think out all of my ideas and is very um, meditative. Like I just really love the process of printmaking. Yeah, that brings to mind a con- an idea, the difference between Uh, maybe two different ways of thinking about art or a lot of other things for that matter. I know like any sort of high level thinking. um, I know I used to think I probably tended to previously think more that, you know, when you, when you heard of a, uh, you know, accomplished scientist or mathematician or artist that they were sort of realizing everything in a flash and, masterminding something like from the very beginning, you know, I, well, it's somewhat contradictory, but I guess what I mean is that it's, yeah, there's like this inspiration that comes and that's what that's driving them. And it's kind of just there. But as I grow older and hear people talk about a lot of different things about how things are done, I, I think it's a lot, it's probably much more, true that successful people and successful operations are process oriented where people just, you you know, you have a way of doing something and there's a, there's a process and you, and you follow that over and over again. And it, you, if in as much as you get inspiration, it's from putting yourself in that situation. And, um, I mean, I think I've heard you talk about it like that as well. Like you seem to have a very sort of crafts person approach to art. And is that, is that pretty common? Like, is that one of the, like, for example, I've heard people say before, writer's block is for amateurs. Like a real writer knows that there's no such thing as writer's block. Not doesn't mean that, everything you write is good. It just means that a professional does not say, I can't think of the best idea ever, so I can't do anything. That's not what a professional does. A professional gets to work. They have their system and they say, yeah, you have days where things aren't going as well, but I have to get, I have to get there. I have to work harder. You know, I have to, I have to do the thing. And that's how I get to, that's how I produce good work. It's a process. It's not, it doesn't just come to you. It doesn't just, it's not like some ambiguous or not ambiguous, um, like sort of like ethereal feeling or, you know, mood that comes over you. And all of a sudden everything you do or think or say is magic. You, if the, in as much as it's magic, you have to find it, you know, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I think it, it's different for lots of artists, I'm sure. Um, so I can only really talk about what it's like for me, but, um, I've never had the feeling of like writer's block or, um, being unsure about, you know, some kind of idea. I, I find that, um, the more I work, the more ideas I have. And it's weird because I, I hear some people talk about, creating as if there's like some finite um amount like they talk about like you know burnout or being a sellout or like using like they've got you know a finite amount of creativity or something like that and i i don't ever find that that's true i was actually surprised to to realize that that's not true at all and um you know i think burnout might be more about like a physical and mental state that you get into from, you know, just having an unhealthy lifestyle or unbalanced lifestyle, which I've definitely felt before, but 
even in those times, I still it have had a a well of ideas. Like I I love brainstorming sessions. I love working on a team with people and like and if we ever set aside sometimes we'll just set aside like 15 30 minutes to brainstorm for a campaign or something like that and I love that and I have no difficulty coming up with 100 ideas um and it really gets me excited but um sometimes you know I do get that whole like oh epiphany and you know, the middle of the night or whatever. And I, this like idea just springs to mind for something. And I, I think that that is cool too. Like it's a really cool feeling and I will write it down, but that's, that's not like a typical, that's not typically how I come about um, my ideas for projects. Okay. I see. And, uh, So you talked about printmaking. What other majors did you consider? Um, I mean, I looked at painting a little bit. It's very similar. And um, photography. But um, I think I think with the first etching class, like, I knew, like, yeah, this is for me. Like, I wasn't, in, like, in a really wishy-washy state and I can be indecisive about a lot of things but this I was like very sure um because I just loved it so much it Mm -hmm. was like it felt right it felt so good to be in the printmaking studio and to smell the ink and the people that were in my department like I was like yeah this is where I belong Mm -hmm. yeah you know what that reminds me I guess what I was trying to say one of the things I wanted to say earlier when talking about process was that so now I have the impression that artists and writers and ha- even mathematicians and scientists are maybe more process oriented than you'd think. And printmaking itself seems to be maybe one of the more process oriented forms of fine art. And you seem to be particularly given to that. Like I, I can tell that you really like that sort of thing. You got your setup and and it occurs to me too that it's almost meditative in a way. You know, like uh if you think of meditation as being either clearing your mind or focusing on a single thing, I think it's the case that doing something repetitive that it it gets your something that's very basic that you don't have to think about very much, like, you know, just moving your hand around or walking or something like that. It's you're doing something and your brain's working, but it's, it's not working so hard that it has to like focus on it. That actually is better than sitting still. Like it's probably easier to concentrate sometimes if you're say like walking than if you're just sitting still. Um, And so if you're doing things like pick up the the piece of whatever the block and move it over here. And then now we have stage one and a lot of it's very mechanical and there's a certain part of the stage I'm sure where you have to do a lot of thinking about, well, how do I want to do this? And it's very careful and you have to concentrate, but there's a lot of other stuff where your brain can, it's kind of working in the background or, you know, just the very most basic part of your brain is, has to work to do it. You know, you lift it up and put it over here and then we'll take the sheet and press it over here and ink it this way. And like a lot of the hard work's already done and it's just a matter of going through the process and maybe, there's a certain kind of meditative quality to that. Does that ring true to you? Does that match your experience? Um, in some sense, I think, um, I think per making, you really have to see the problem through all the way to the end. So like you have to like think through all the steps um, and really have a plan and um while you're doing each step i think it it gives you that time to be really thoughtful about like what's happening with it is it going according to plan or is like something new emerging from it that i didn't expect um you know in art they talk about like happy accidents like oh i you know that was totally by chance that this thing happened here but I kind of like it and I'm going to explore it and see if I can use it 
um, in, in a certain way. I think, um, I think that's what I like about the process that it's very, you know, there's a lot of time to really put like thought and intention in it. And then, but there are other stages where it can be more meditative where you, you know, you are doing something repetitively, but, um, I actually think that, um, I think I like the planning process the best. And, you know, I, I use things like washing dishes or um, cleaning as time to think about um, things or, like, you know, work something out in my head that I haven't quite figured out because I feel like that is just, you know, it's a repetitive motion. It's something that, like, I'm doing something so that I'm not just statically sitting there, but then I'm free to, like, focus on something else if that makes sense so I think as an artist like you're always working even when you're not working on something um so even if you're cooking dinner you know you could also be planning and plotting your project and um I think those parts are really important to a a maker's habits So before we move on, I want to ask you another thing about art school. As I understand it, you had a certain portion of your curriculum focused on general skills, artistic skills, like things like, um, I'm not actually sure, maybe you could tell me what this is called, but where you learned how to sense color on a finer gradient, you know, like tell the difference between two colors that maybe a layperson wouldn't really think are that different or something like that. So like to hone your sense of color, uh, I'm sure there was stuff about perspective, almost, you would say th- almost theoretical things like art theory, but not art theory as in like why people make it or what it does to someone's psychology, but like art theory as in, you know, um, the way like some someone who builds something would study or like an engineer would study physics or something like it's like this is how things work this is how they here's like the technical here's some here's some technical knowledge to to bolster your sort of ability to execute as an artist to execute your vision so first of all, what were some of these courses? And then maybe, yeah, just to, you could talk about that first. Yeah, so um, I think this is, you know, the same for every art school. They have what they call foundation courses. So for the first two years of your um, art school career, you do 2D and 3D classes. And... Um, you really focus on composition. So <laughs> this is kind of crazy to say that this is what we did, but you you work with um, different shapes on paper and uh, you, you'll have like a, a guideline, like, you know, within this five by four box, move around these paper dots to make the best composition, you know, a symmetrical composition, something in thirds, um, dynamic, uh, static. Like you, you really focus on just shapes and, you know, for the first, I remember the first half it was black and white. So we were literally cutting out with X-Acto knives these black paper dots and then putting them on a white piece of paper and, um, you know, moving them around in different configurations to really, you know, learn what makes a good composition, what is composition, um, how does your eye move around a piece and um, then we graduated to color. (laughs) So we got to cut out colored shapes and put them on a white piece of paper. Um, 
but it took hours. It was hours and hours of work to really focus on that. And also, you know, you had to be very neat and tidy. Like everything had to be very exact and you had to be very careful with like the glue and the paper and not get fingerprints on it. And some of us were good at that and some of us were naturally messy and um was that part of your grade for that class would they oftentimes grade you on that oh yeah that was a huge part like your margins are dirty or you know you didn't erase the stray pencil line here like that that was a big part of it because if you think about it it's like even though it was just um an assignment it everything was treated as this is going you know, it's hanging up, it's for real, it's a real deal, it's a piece of work that you made, and you have to be considerate of everything on it. Um, also, it and- occurs to me that it's probably good practice for, to like, if you want to be an artist, it's probably very good early on to understand the importance of organization and things like that. So there might be a given piece that has a fingerprint, and that doesn't really matter. But if you're looking out for that stuff early on when you're learning about this, it seems, you know, it's like make good habits early as opposed to having to fix bad ones later. And there's so many. F- moving parts and like so many, some of these pro the processes by which you create some of these pieces is probably so complex that it, it it's really, it's more than simply the teacher trying to look for reasons to get, to dock someone on a grade. You know, it's like really important to them. They're going to kind of thank them later if they learn early on to be very organized. I think that's, a small part of it, but I think the bigger part is actually, you know, if you have a fingerprint on the margin of your artwork, what does that say about the artwork? What did, What is the artist trying to tell us? So it was really more about being considerate of everything that's on there is intentional. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of messy artists and um, they really struggled with this part because they always had like, paint on their fingers or clothes um, and it was really hard for them to keep their workstation neat and tidy like you know to achieve that Um, and so I think it can be taken you know to an extreme because like maybe the art that they make is about you know who they are and you know some smudges make it more about like what they're trying to say. But for these purposes, it was very clear. Like there's a very strict guideline of what it had to look like. Um, so I think, yeah, it is important to learn how to like play the game, so to speak. And then you can set it up however you want, you know, once you can make your own projects. Yeah. Did I'm, I'm not sure how familiar you are with other art schools and other curriculums, but it sounds like maybe Maine College of Art is rather classical, for lack of a better term. Maybe that's not the way, best way, but the fact that they focus on the foundations and say, let's say they're kind of strict about, I don't want to say strict because I don't, you know, they might have been very nice about saying, hey, you, there's fingerprints on your painting. It's going to lose points. Maybe the, strict kind of implies that they're assholes about it. But in that they take a classical approach to art as, you know, where they say, some people might say art's all about expression. Therefore, no criti- no critiques here, no criticism here. You, you know, don't hurt anyone's feelings. Whereas they said, no, art. We there's certain techniques that uh, are very important, and uh, we're going to teach you them first, and then we'll get to the other stuff. And um, would does that make sense to you, uh, or do you know even about other schools or aware of different ways of teaching some of this stuff? Yeah, I I think they were, like, you know, pretty, um, I guess, classical is one way to put it. Um, I think um, they they were very focused on learning how to do something the quote-unquote right way or learning uh, techniques that would help you no matter what you were doing, if you know, 
drawing techniques that could be taken into photography. Um, these composition techniques, like they, they're at the core of most art forms. You know, if you're making video, um, you know, that it, it really is an important part of being a visual artist. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think that they really focused on getting that core in the beginning, and that's so important. Um, and then you talked about, like, color, like, yeah, learning about just how you reach a certain point, how you get a certain color, what color means, um, how they work together, how they fight each other. Like, I think that um, some schools, they might, have like an art program folded into university or college and they might not um, have the time to go so deeply into this, but I really appreciated um, that, you know, how seriously they took it and how, you know, how much they focused on technique in, in the beginning. So when you were actually taking the classes, was it enjoyable? Because the reason I ask that is because for someone who's so like you said, you didn't really think too much about the implications of your choice for art in that you were driven by your interest in it. It just made perfect sense to you. You said that make, I didn't realize I could do this. I, it turns out I can, and this is exciting. And you're, so you're driven by the idea of how much you love making art. And I imagine that for someone like that, some people like that might become frustrated with too many courses that focus on things that are too ab almost abstractly foundational because you say, Hey, when are we going to get to, you know, when are we going to get the clay out? When are we going to get the canvas out? Like what the hell are we doing with these, you know, cutting up dots on a piece of paper and moving them around? Like that's cool and everything, but let's get to business here. It, what, how did you take to that? Yeah. Um, I loved it and I really enjoyed those classes, but also at the same time, you're allowed to take like electives. And so you're allowed to play and be experimental and just make stuff in other classes. Um, so even in your first year, you had other courses that would allow you to just kind of, it, yeah. th their focus was not on the foundational stuff. This is just like other aspects or maybe learning different forms or something like that. Yeah. And also, you know, like the drawing classes were all about like getting perspective and line work and, um, you know, shading and light. Like that was, um, that was all foundational stuff too, but it wasn't as, um, you know, rigid as cutting out paper dots. Or another way to think about it is it wasn't as removed from. Right the yeah. final act. Whereas exactly. like, if you're doing line work, it's like, well, this feels like drawing to me. You know, this is, uh, this make, this rings a bell. Yeah. This, I can see how this is applicable. In fact, I'm pretty much doing a lot of the same stuff I did before. So, whereas the dot thing is probably no one's doing that without going to, <laughs> unless they go to art school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I, I definitely, you know, I think a lot of people, drop out their first year in college in general, but also in art school, I think the drop off is, is probably higher than in other schools. I don't know for sure, but that's what I got the sense of. And a lot of people do drop out their first year. Um, and it might be like, Oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. Or, you know, um, I actually don't take art this seriously or, um, whatever it is. Um, but I, I definitely was like, yeah, this is, I was very focused and very excited um, to learn new things. All right. So let's now, I want to talk about what came after art school. And so now you're a graphic designer and <laughs> yeah, I'm, so funny about that. Yeah. I'm laughing because uh, in art school, the graphic design program, we all called them the sellouts. So I'm laughing like, you know, any art school kids out then there. Then all those people grew up and realized they couldn't make any money from <laughs> the other um, stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 
it's interesting to look back at myself as like a teenager or, you know, when you're in your 20s and how seriously you take everything and how, um, you know, how convicted you are about certain, you know, truths out there and like just not realizing like, oh, you know, graphic design, graphic design is a type of art and um, that's a way that you can every day do what you like to do and, and there's a need for it. So, you know, there, there is a need for paintings, I think, but it's, and you can get paid for that and you can make it as a professional artist. But I think, um, you know, graphic design to, you know, it's, it's nothing to be looked down upon, but in art school, you know, we definitely look down on the graphic design program and thought that it was like, you know, a, a form of commercial art or a lower form of art. So, well, yeah. my, I w- one way in which I would support that sort of, uh, the derision of, uh, graphic design at your school could be that the fine artists are saying, well, not that they were thinking this, but I think this once they learn fine art, it seems it makes sense to me that it's a lot easier than to do graphic design later if that's what you decide to do. Whereas it's a lot harder probably if you're studying from the start graphic design and then you have to, now you say, well, I want to make it as a painter or something. Now you could still learn that stuff and you could maybe be doing that on the side while you're doing graphic design. But I I guess the options seem more open when, if you take the fine art approach and um, now there's probably tech. I mean, well, you're, you're probably learning this now, but, or have been that there's technical skills regarding specific computer programs that you have to learn as a graphic designer that you didn't learn in fine art school, but all the principles of like you were talking about perspective and uh, composition and color, you know, all that stuff. You just have to learn a program and you can look at, you can find, figure that stuff out on YouTube, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, studying fine arts can be applied to so many different things. And um, because a lot of it is, you know, about having a concept, having a plan and, you know, an idea and then like building it out, fleshing it out and making it appealing, accessible, um, communicating it to other people. And that, you know, you could be, I I could see, you know, you using that for writing, marketing, um, graphic design, video photography, like that, you know, fine arts is at the core of a lot of things that are about communication. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Um, what's your day to day like as a graphic designer? Um, Hmm. <laughs> it's weird to think about. Like if you were to think about, I guess a couple ways to think about it might be, what is your main objective? Like anytime something comes across your desk, like what's your job really? You know, what, what do you really do? What are you adding? Like what's, what's, that's one way to think about it. Um, you could just reduce it down to your actual actions and think, okay, if I start at 8 a.m., you know, I usually tend to do this for a while, then this, then that, you know, those are a couple ways to think about it in case you're having trouble. Yeah, I think at the at the center, my job is to take information that, you know, maybe the company or client wants to convey and make it um, visually enticing and also make it easy to digest, easy to read, easy to understand, um, and you know, make it have a personality um, and what that personality is, you know, might be dictated by other things. But um, yeah, I think it it's about taking the information and packaging it into a way that's, um, you know, consumable or like, you know, visually understandable. So how, how, um, explicitly or specifically do you think about some sort of equivalency or like 
equation of visual to verbal or conceptual objects. So what I mean is, do you, how um, deliberately, I think is maybe the word I'm thinking of, do you think about how to represent certain concepts, ideas, or words using images? Like when it comes to like, oh, this shading evokes this feeling or this idea, or this color tends to be associated with this, that, or whatever. Did you do any of that? Oh, yeah. that That's how I start. Um, so I'm fortunate enough to work with you know, writers that are really great storytellers. And um, I always read what they, you know, they'll give me their copy and I always read it and then start the plan from there and think about, you know, and we talk about it too. Like, who's the audience? What do we want them to be thinking about? Like, what what do we want their actions to be after reading this? Um, So, yeah, that plays a huge part into how things look and, Um, yeah, I, I think that's important too, just as an, as an artist in general, like to have a concept and, um, a thing that comes up all the time is like in art school is like, you know, be wary of the person that makes something that is just aesthetically pleasing or, you know, just making beauty for beauty's sake. Um, and you know, your your concept for something like that could be just simply, I think that this is beautiful and I want to highlight it and I want to share it and I want to, you know, commemorate it in a way. Um, and that's still a concept, I think. But um, yeah, there's definitely more intention that goes into making projects, I think, than you know, people realize. Mm -hmm. So what do you wish you did more of art wise, either as a graphic designer or just in general? (laughs) Um, I really want to, uh, get into making more like videos. Um, I did some of that in art school. I have this idea that I've been working on, like, slowly over the past few years, but I haven't cut it together. And um, so I want to get into that. But also I love printmaking, but it's, you know, you have to be, you have to have like the space or the equipment for it. So, you know, in, in my apartment, I'll do like wood cuts and lino cuts and stuff like that. Cause it's smaller and you can do it by hand and um, stuff like that. But I, I do want to, work more on like bigger stuff that's like, you know, I love photo litho, but you need like a press bed for that. So I want to, you know, work on that stuff more. But in general, I just think, um, I'd like a longer form project for myself, not graphic design, but, um, whether it's printmaking or, video I'd, I'd like a I'd like to work on a something that's bigger has more components more pieces maybe a series because um, lately I've been doing like smaller one-off things okay that kind of relates to so another thing I wanted to ask which is so as I currently look at maybe career development or for lack of a better way of uh, thinking about it, is that you're over time, you know, maybe like a longer term vision and mission and passion and all that stuff actually comes after the work that you do. And that if you get far enough along, kind of taking opportunities as they come and developing, getting a better sense of the bigger picture of your whatever industry or path you're, you're on, you might start to develop a mission. It's like a more like a mature stage of development in a, in a, on a certain path. You know, you often hear about people. So let's say like some CEO is like a billionaire and they're like, now I'm thinking about giving back or something, you know, and I think there's a lot of models that, 
talk about that stuff in that way. Like, you know, at first you're working on skills and then you're trying to gain reputation, you're building your reputation and you're improving your, um, uh, you know, your job title is more impressive or you're moving up the ranks. And then eventually you turn to like, okay, now I've kind of accomplished a lot of stuff. Like, what am I going to do with all this career capital that I've gathered? Do you have some sense of mission at all? Like, and if so, like what that might that be? Or do you think about that as an artist? Like, do you think like maybe another way to put it is like what, what maybe is the, the through line that runs through all of your work that what's the thing you, if you could reduce what it is you really want to accomplish or what you think is most important about making art. Yeah. I think about that a lot, but lately, um, the past three or four years, I've been struggling with that because, um, you know, I, I tend to move around a lot medium wise. I, I tend to work in a lot of different things and I'll try something out in a different medium. Like I recently, um, started, uh, punch needle, which is like rug cooking, um, and working with like textiles and, uh, and then like, you know, working on graphic design that, that took up a lot of, um, time that was like different from what I had been doing before. Like I was before that I was doing a lot of like watercolor and gouache and um, pencil drawings. And I, I feel my struggle might be that I might move around too often and not settle or like niche down or find something that like, I really want to use as my medium to you know, convey whatever my um, theme or um, mission might be. But so, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I mean, (laughs) just like anybody, I kind of see like, oh, I've got so many ideas. Like, wouldn't it be cool to have like a little barn or a studio that's a printmaking workshop and you make like this homemade magazine um, full of other people's artwork and other people's writing and stuff like that. Like that could be really, that could be really cool, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not really sure. So I think actually maybe it was wrong to frame it as mission, even though if you had one, that would be interesting. I think what I mean more is, do you have a unified theory of the purpose of art? Maybe. And by say, using the phrase unified theory, it might sound intimidating because naturally I, what I'm saying is like, um, like why do you make kind of, or yeah, but what do you think about it? So I'm not so much saying another reason why using the word theory could be intimidating is you might think, Oh, this is up for debate. I just mean in your own mind, um, when you think about what motivates you to make art, is there some sort of unifying reason uh, or the, the one that you just like the most? It doesn't even, you don't even have to defend it necessarily, but like the thing that comes up the most for you that you say, this is what it's all about. Yeah. I think um, for me, it's just the natural tools for um, communicating my thoughts or emotions and um it's always been that way like i've always been writing or drawing or painting and um it it's like kind of how it, it's kind of how like i think about how i could would convey something to someone else um and i think part of my struggle for the last few years about what my purposes or like why I should make is um like finding out if that's okay like if that's enough to say <clears throat> I just I have this idea of how I see something and I want to share it and I want or like I want to see it in this medium it makes sense for me to put it out on paper and you know just put it out there um you know, just wondering if that's enough. Um, and also I think 
a lot has changed since I um, went to art school. Like, you know, Instagram is, is huge now and a lot of artists put their portfolio on Instagram. And um, I think it's a good thing because I find out about artists that I wouldn't have before. Um, and I get to see like really cool things that they're making. And then you also get to learn a little bit about their life and like who they are. And I think that's, you know, we've never really had that before. Like, I don't know how people would learn about artists in the 1800s, but you know, it definitely wasn't in this way. But the downside for me personally is that I find myself thinking about, you know, I'll have an idea. I'll get really excited about making it. And then what creeps in right away is like posting it and sharing it. And I, then I feel like, Oh, I can't share it because now my motivation has like been, I don't want to say tainted, but like it's for the wrong reason. Um, Or I'm, you know, I'm too concerned with that. And I think, you know, I am just looking at it wrong and I should realize that like, this is just how I want to talk to people. And also uh, some of my purpose is like highlighting things that I think are like everyday um, joys and, you know, I want to hold up this like leaf and say, yeah, this is great. Isn't this great? And share it with other people that might feel the same way. All right. So you, uh, you meant you brought up the idea of the existence of a place to post art could affect the creator's intentions and motivations and it made me think about how fine art is art made for its own sake. And it seems as though at a certain point, if the artist or creator thinks too much about the purpose, it would almost necessarily so cease to be fine art. Um, yeah, I think that, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because but I do struggle with that idea a lot and I've been, you know, too, maybe too concerned about that notion, but like, I don't know if a a writer they're making, they're, you know, creating a story and if they don't um, share it then, and, and if people don't consume it, then, you know, it's kind of a shame. Um, but they have to, you know, just like anybody, they're probably thinking about like, Oh, what are they going to think of this? Like, how is this going to be received? And I think that that's just a part of life that we can't escape. Like, you know, it's all well and good for people to talk about like, Oh, you know, who cares about, you know, what other people are going to think about it or look at it. Um, but you know, I think that that's a little bit of that is always going to be there. And I mean, even artists, you know, that before social media, um, when they're putting it in a gallery or putting it out there for the world, I think, you know, they, they too are definitely thinking a little bit about like, you know, what's going to happen now that it's out there. But I think, um, I think the important part is more about just like focusing on your idea and focusing on the project and being okay with, you know, hey, like other people are going to see this or, and it's okay if they, if they, you know, hit the like button or something that doesn't take away from what I made or like that doesn't make it, it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm less of an artist or something like that. I don't know. I think I, I I have a problem with, I haven't been sharing anything I've been making for a while. And it, it part of it is just like the uncertainty of what does that mean? What, what are my motivations for that? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And also I, I guess I think I'm probably wrong about what I just said because I was thinking about it more and 
maybe I think the 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 term fine art is probably to distinguish between a landscape that you paint from looking out your window to the design of like trim in some building, you know, like the building is not fine art cause it's, it's made for some practical purpose. It's to it's shelter. And then there's an artistic element to it. Or, or maybe you'd say like the design of an arch or the design of uh, the shape of a room. There's, there's some creativity that might go into and some artistic sentiment that might go into deciding what to ultimately land on, but it's for practical purposes or like the design of a car or something. Certainly there's people who are involved in that process who have an artistic type approach, but you can't call it fine arts because it's all for the sake of driving from point A to point B. And so just because someone's posting it on Instagram or showing their painting in a gallery probably doesn't cease to make it fine art because the art itself is still like, even, you know, it's maybe it's, it's expressing something, but it's still meant to be appreciated in and of itself. It's not, it's not a accoutrement to something else. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what um, fine art is like, I don't know where the boundary ends, but I mean, classically it's always been thought of like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have a a purpose or um it doesn't have a uh like a use like you're saying and there's you know there's a lot of talk about a lot of um art theory about the difference between high art and low art and craft and you know crafts what those are and how they're not fine arts and I, you know i don't necessarily have a, a strong opinion about what they are but um yeah I, maybe some things that i like that i like to highlight are like everyday objects like cups or you know mugs um things like that that they're in our life they were designed by somebody they are in one way they started out as a piece of art they this person crafted it and then had it made or they made it. Um, And I'm not so sure like that those aren't, you know, part of the arts as well, but. Yeah. Well, by what I was just saying, I think that could still be, that is still art. I, I was presenting a notion or a, a a way of thinking about the distinction between fine, fine and non-fine arts Mm -hmm. that had to do with the form that the art itself took not the subject matter. So we are talking about cups, like everyday life, that's subject matter type stuff maybe. But you know, it might just be the case that the the lines have are more blurred than ever and may or maybe and maybe the distinction isn't quite as useful as it used to be. As I'm sure in the past technical or tech uh tech technological barriers and just physical material had like the existence and scarcity of certain material just had a lot to do with the form that art took. Whereas as a lot of material becomes less scarce and more accessible to more people, it takes a lot of different forms and uh, there's a lot of different options. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but yeah, I mean, it used to be interestingly enough that printmaking wasn't considered a fine art and that it was used as a tool for artists to um, plan out their oil paintings. And um, I I just find that fascinating. But I, I think, yeah, like what's cool about, you know, social media is that you can see makers of all different kinds and they're, they're making up their own rules. They're coming up with new and different ways to make stuff and show stuff. And um yeah, so I don't know that we need this term fine arts, or I don't know that we need to distinguish between the person that like shows in a gallery um, versus. Yeah, maybe it's academic, as they say. Yeah. You know, like just meaning that it's almost the the question and the answer has 
almost no bearing on anything in life other than people who just want to theorize for fun or speculate for fun. I think if you're serious about your craft, whatever that is, and, um, you know, it's something that you, you do, it's a big part of your life. Then I think, yeah, you, you can safely say like you're an artist and, um, you don't need a certain, you don't need certain credentials maybe, um, or like you don't need that fine art school degree. Um, but yeah. So one last thing I'm going to finish on. It's kind of a little bit of a, maybe a cliche type question. Do you think that artists are born or made or something else? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I just read this article about, it was like a study done about kids that are left alone for, you know, certain amount of hours in their week. They are shown to be more creative than, you know, maybe their peers that are not. And, um, I was just thinking about like, uh, you know, my parents worked a lot when I was a kid. Um, my sister's a lot older than me, so she was in college. I, I was home by myself a lot. Not to say, you know, I was neglected in any way, definitely not. Just that I had a lot of time to myself. And um, I I think that I even, like then I was like making up games. I was crafting things. I was making magazines with my friends, um, like clipping together things on our computer and then like we would mail each other like these stories and then like we'd paste them so carefully in our stapled magazine like I was always making stuff and I think that's a big part of it so yeah maybe you know everybody is born with certain you know just you know anybody could be an artist but it's maybe it's about what is cultivated, what they're, then they become interested in. Um, and I, I've always hated when people are like, oh, I'm just not creative. And I just think it's that, um, well, you just, ha you know, you've either never had a need or you, or an interest to cultivate that part of your brain to be, you know, quote unquote creative. Um, and they're focusing on other things. But yeah, I think maybe, um, they're made. I mean, just like going to art school, you can learn fine arts, you can learn a craft. Um, and I think people, some people are naturally more talented than others. Like, you know, I've got friends that they, their drawing skills are just so amazing. And I know I'll never get to that level of realism that they can achieve. But, um, yeah, I think that what makes us similar is that, you know, we have this, you know, this eye for the arts. And I think that that's cultivated, I, you know, and nourished over time. Correct answer. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so yeah. glad. <laughs> that's it for this week's episode of the Speakeasy Library. Follow the show on Twitter at Dan underscore S-E-L pod and on Instagram at Speakeasy Library. Send your feedback to speakeasylibrary at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on whichever app you use to listen. Thanks for listening.